What's up, everybody? This is Dr. Andy Wilczek. This week, I talked to Dr. Sarah Daly, assistant professor in criminology from St. Vincent College, about her research on the incel movement. If you're not familiar with what incels are, uh, suffice it to say, listener discretion is advised for this episode. I also want to say that for the next few weeks, um, not every week, but here and there, we have split the interviews up into two parts. And so this is part one of my interview with Dr. Daly. And if you can hear my daughter in the background, again, a reminder, this is not an interview that you want to listen to with, uh, let's say, little ears around. This is episode 17 of Untenure Tracks. be finished by May, but we know how that goes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, I'm studying incels, so involuntary celibates, who've kind of been all over the news lately, um, particularly with the Joker movie um, and the threats that were associated with that. So, um, you know, I've been studying them and observing them for about a year and a half now. And so I originally thought kind of what everybody else thought, oh, my God, it's like this community of just like hateful men that want to murder women and say terrible things. So I I created this whole book proposal and how I would outline this and the theories I was going to use, like it was all very organized and planned. And then just for (laughs) shits and giggles, I came across this this paper um, on one of their threads and the author wrote a very kind of like well-informed argument for incels. So I was like, well, I'll just email him and see what he says. Like, why not? Right. Um, and he emailed me back like in a day and I'm like, oh, well, okay, I guess we'll just do this then. <laughs> um, so I talked to him. I planned to talk to him. I set up a time and there's actually this really, really great podcast called incel um, with a woman um who did a lot of interviews with them. So I was listening to this and I was on the second or third episode with her and I was driving on these like rural back roads to work. Uh, and she's like, today is my guest. And then she said his name and I said, Oh, that's, that's the same name as the guy that I emailed. And I was like, Oh, interesting. And then she's like, he's the founder and the creator of this website of this, this forum that it sells use. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I accidentally, like, emailed the, the head incel, <laughs> the leader of the incels. And I'm like, what have I done? Because their site that I've been following and kind of lurking on in a in a in an ethical way, I swear, um, like that I've been been researching, though, and following, you know, they have about 10,000 members now, maybe close to 11. Um, so it's this guy that's responsible for kind of putting this out in the world. So I was like, oh, my God. Um, But I emailed him, and he was really nice. Um, We had a great conversation. He's very knowledgeable. Um, He wasn't, like, as angry as I had expected. 
Um, so it gave me some insights and then I kind of went back to the drawing board with my outline because I love outlining things, you know, lessons learned from the dissertation, right? <laughs> um, so then that kind of like emboldened me um, on Twitter. So then I just started like reaching out to incels on Twitter. Um, so I have had about seven or eight interviews um, and probably like a hundred hours worth of online chats with uh, self-proclaimed incels online. And they've all been really, really receptive and really helpful. So I scrapped the entire book proposal um, that I had sent to publishers, <laughs> one of whom won sole review of the book. So, <laughs> um, And so I, I really went back to the drawing board to work on this and figure out how I'm going to frame it. Um, but it's been really interesting and really insightful. And now it's, it's a little bit odd because I'll just be like going about my day and not doing work things. And then I'll get like Twitter messages from incels like, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on? Just wanted to check in and say hi. And I'm like, oh, great. So I'll be like out at like Target. <laughs> and my boyfriend's like, who are you texting? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's like my incel friend. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm laughing I, nervously. <laughs> I, but I, just, like, I, think I think a lot of the men that I've talked to are just like lonely. And so someone is taking an interest in them and their general kind of well-being. Yeah. Um, so if I can be somebody who listens and kind of tries to present what they have to say mm-hmm. and to clarify some of the misconceptions that people have about them, you know, that all incels are violent and they're going to go on to be mass shooters, then... I can be that for someone um, in in a fair way, right? Like I'm not gonna like become a champion for incels, right? Um, but if I can just present their words in the context of this larger discussion about incels and what mm-hmm. we think about them, then I think I think that's fair. I hope. Yeah, I think it is. So you're thinking about it more in terms of like a qualitative piece. It sounds like. Right. Yeah. So I think what I'm trying to do, because, you know, when I want to write this book, um, what you and, and Joan had said in your in your discussions before about publishing in journals and everything, I'm very much of, of the same mind. Um, and I think that when I do my research and what I do, I want to make it really accessible to the public and not write it in jargon that like no one understands and paywall it, you know, behind yeah, journals yeah. where it's $45 for 20 pages of work <laughs> that <laughs> that I don't see ever. Yeah. Which is an important lesson for students, too. <laughs> like, it's not like we get this money. Oh, yeah. No, it's... It's yeah. such a, it's such a con. <laughs> like, it, it really is. And then like, we're all stumped about like why nobody listens to criminologists, why oh. policy makers don't. <laughs> it's like, oh, I know. I saw, I saw something on Twitter the other day where somebody said something like criminologists define this, this, this thing as this. And I was like, nobody. And I thought about jumping in and I said, nope, this is just going to shut up. <laughs> just, yeah. There's no, I'm not caping for my discipline. Which itself is actually, I mean, beyond the scholarship stuff, like, we've done bad stuff before. <laughs> so Yeah, we've gotten it wrong, you know. Like, I think we always say, like, you know, there are policies that are crafted that are in stark contrast to everything that we know in the field. Um, but, like, nobody listens to us, it seems, because we write to each other yep. in journals that are inaccessible to the vast majority of people, mm-hmm. um, in language that nobody but us understands and <laughs> and the only time they really did listen to us was during like the super predator disaster yeah um so like they really shouldn't have listened to anybody at the time 
I know. And, you know, I was reading something about this, um, the case happening in New York City with the, the student who was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the stuff about the police union saying that she was going to go buy pot and whatever. Right. Um, and, and this commentary on the media about how uh, eager it seems, like at least in New York City, they are to go back to like that high crime kind of era. And so right. I'm just kind of like thinking about it in terms of like like the the ebb and flow, right, of how the discipline works. Like obviously we know that there's going to be a new hunger for that type of media and there are going to be criminology people who probably completely sell out and will go on whatever radio or newspapers and be like, "Yep, oh, the sky is falling. You should be afraid of every kid. <laughs> it's oh, it's God. terrible. Drugs yeah. are bad." <laughs> You know, and and just like undo the tiny little bit that we've been able to accomplish in the last, what, 30 years, 20 years. So I think that in the in the discipline, I think we have a responsibility to make what we write and what we study um, understandable and accessible to a lot of people Mm -hmm. um, and to correct the misconceptions. You know, so having studied mass shootings. Um, before studying incels, um, I think a, a lot of what I was what I was trying to do was to correct what people thought of about mass shootings. You know that everybody's a target all the time. You know we're all going to get shot at Walmart, um, but it, it got exhausting because I was getting like phone calls from local media. You know here in Pittsburgh, or doing radio shows or TV. That every time there was an active shooter, a mass shooter. They were calling me for statements to the point where I was like, you can take everything that I said for the last three times that we've talked because uh-huh. nothing has changed since then. Yeah. <laughs> like take the same exact statement, replace Walmart with school. Uh-huh. And and here we are. Right. So extreme risk protection orders, risk factors, early identification, early warnings. Like this is all the same. I don't know how else to say this to you, <laughs> but I will keep saying it if you will keep printing it because <laughs> people need to understand this. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. So, have you seen? I know you're you're kind of early into the incel project, but have you seen a lot of ways that it kind of dovetails with your your mass shooting research? Well, it's funny because I came. I mean, it's not funny, but I I came across incels um, while I was doing the mass shooting research. You know, my dissertation work was on. Um, mass shooters and active shooters. Um, and so I did this kind of qualitative study of uh, pulling everything together, like about their lives. So I noticed that so many of them like just had problems with women, right? Mm-hmm. Like a history of domestic violence, um, a divorce, um, you know, and uh, there's just like general resentment with women. So that kind of like piqued my interest while I was doing my dissertation, but I was almost like, head down, have to keep finishing the dissertation, have to get out of school. Um, but then once I, I stopped, you know, once I finished, once I graduated and tried to decide where I would go with my research, um, I came back to this idea. And it, one of the most interesting things that I've found is that as often as people associate incels with mass shooters, there has only been recently one uh, attacker, and it wasn't even a mass shooter, who clearly overtly identified himself as an incel, right? So the um, van attack in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, I won't say his name because I don't think he deserves it. Right. So um, he said, like, the incel rebellion has begun. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, 
But other than that, there have been shooters and attackers who have espoused ideas that people commonly associate with incels, right? Like hating women, not getting laid, not being able to have a girlfriend or a relationship. Um, But I think that what we're missing in this larger discussion about incels is the depression and the loneliness, Uh right? And the mental illness piece of this. And I don't want to kind of perpetuate this idea that everybody that does a mass shooting is mentally ill because that's certainly not the case. Right. Right. They're overrepresented, but I, I think this marriage of mental illness and mass shooting is kind of dangerous in, in how we address these issues moving forward. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'm using some of my knowledge about mass shootings and psychology to inform how I'm studying in cells. Right. And I, because I think there's so much rhetoric on the on social media, right? We're using the term incels as like an insult now, right? Yeah. Like a funny looking guy says something and we're like, shut up, you incel, um, which is, is super hurtful and, and wrong. But I, I think it's all kind of par for the course for social media and just people being gross online. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I think that what people remember about incels or what they know about incels is derived from a lot of like the worst that people have picked out from their forums. Cause their mm-hmm. forum is open. A lot of their forums are open to anybody. Mm-hmm. So you can go in and say, Oh my God, look at this thread where they're all kind of advocating for rape. And there are threads like that. Yeah. Um, they're not representative of all incels, but that's what people remember. Right. As opposed to, a thread where somebody says like, I'm, I'm so depressed. I'm alone for 95% of the time. I haven't left the house in two years. Uh-huh. Um, and then where people are fighting within cells online and just starting arguments with them, which I don't think is productive. Right. And like insulting them, insulting them in, in ways where in any other circumstance, if we were insulting someone with depression, anxiety, um, like severe, like social phobias and autism, that it would be like reprehensible. Yeah, because they're in a community where people do gross things or say gross things, that then suddenly it's acceptable, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I'm trying to to work in that in that space um, where I'm not letting myself be totally put off by a, a small percentage of the population in that that group is saying really reprehensible things. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think that's kind of a parallel to other, other groups that we would study that are capable of violence. Right. Like to me, to me, it sounds a lot like, I think there's similarities to studying a gang, right? Mm -hmm. Like gang research where you're going to, you're going to find kids who are good kids who are doing dumb stuff, who (laughs) advocate for and believe in things that are, are probably antisocial um, mm-hmm. at best and and pretty gross and dangerous at worst. Yeah, and it's it's weird because I almost feel a little bit guilty that even as a criminologist coming in and, and talking to and interviewing these men, um, that I'm starting off as saying, like, I think you're a criminal, right, yeah. or you could be a criminal. Um, so I try to explain myself that criminology kind of falls under the umbrella or it used to of sociology. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, that I'm trying to understand a phenomenon and, and explain this from a social kind of cultural point of view, rather than I think you're going to go shoot people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause even like my Twitter bio says like, I study mass shootings and then they're like, Oh, so you think we're, you're, we're going to shoot everybody. 
So I should probably change that before I <laughs> keep contacting them. But so, other people that have studied them are, you know, people who study terrorism. And I'm like, you know, and the Southern Poverty Law Center has qualified them as a hate group. Um, so I think that kind of by charging in with this criminal justice focus, we're automatically kind of labeling them as criminals, which is also not helpful. Yeah. So how do you overcome that initial kind of bias against you that you that they think that you are coming there to accuse them of being this mass shooter waiting to happen? Um, I, I use a lot of my counseling skills. So before I jumped into criminal justice and my graduate studies, I was actually a school counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a psych degree in, in counseling. And I, I try to say to them, like, I just want to listen to you. I want to hear what you have to say, perhaps correct some of these myths. Because as I talk to them, I assure them that, number one, before I publish anything, before I send it out to a publisher, I will let them read what I have written and the uh-huh. word, their words that I've used. Yeah. Um, that I, I'm not trying to misrepresent them. So I'll let them approve whatever. Um, I also argue that I will not argue, but assert that I will let them, I will refer to them however they would like to be referred to. Right. So if I can use their Twitter handle or just their name and their age, mm-hmm. um, so that I'll preserve, you know, their confidentiality. Um, But like I said, I'm just using the main thing that I want to do is use research to say this is what we know about depression and loneliness, right? Or aggression and loneliness, and then pair that with what they're saying. Yeah. That these are novel ideas with incels, that this Mm -hmm. is what we we know through empirical research um, in a digestible way. but rather than just taking the worst of what people in their group say to actually hear them. And I think that they, they've appreciated that for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've also said like, you know, anytime you have questions, just ask me, which I, I would much rather do than just make assumptions, you know, or draw my own conclusions. Um, but it's been hard in a lot of senses that um, some of them will talk to me and, be really honest and nice and forthcoming. And then I go through their Twitter accounts and they say kind of awful things in like a shit posty kind of trolling <laughs> way. Yeah. Um, so I have to marry like, how can you be so nice and then say these like awful, awful things and then be confused why people are <laughs> mad at you and think you're a bad person. <laughs> um, you know, like that are, they're saying things about like rape or, or murder. Uh huh. And then you're so mad that people think you're a murderer. So that's one of the, the hardest things that I'm trying to deal with um, in my research. But other than that, I found most people that I've interviewed to be very, very pleasant. So have you have you talked to anybody about that? Like that specifically what you just said, like how like you can. How do I want to put this? So they're very nice to you, but they're doing mm-hmm. this trolley shit posting, which, mm-hmm. I, I, which I would imagine that they think is just like a joke or trying to get a rise out of people, but then they're mad that people are taking it seriously and they don't understand why people are taking it seriously. Have you like, have you asked anybody about that? Yeah. So I've asked and a couple people have said that it's because they, that's just their way of lashing out. Uh huh. Right. They're mad at society. Society's going to hate them anyway. Yeah. Because they're ugly, uh, because they're they're uh, like autistic, take your pick, but society's going to hate incels either way. So it doesn't matter what they posted. So it's very much, um, like labeling theory in practice. Yeah, it is. 
but they've assigned the label to themselves, which is kind of the most interesting part, right? That, not that society's put it on them, but they call themselves incels. So, um, yeah, it, it's very weird. I don't think I will ever understand shit posting or trolling. Oh. Um, yeah. But it was weird. We did a high school event yesterday um, in the department with uh, about cybersecurity, uh-huh. and I literally know nothing about computers, like at all. So I have, I was uniquely unqualified to present at this. <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking to students about like gaming and trolling and kind of cyber harassment with things uh-huh. like this. So I was asking the students, like, I know, and these are you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year olds, and I said like I know what kind of disgusting things people say in the gaming community, right? Like, you know, like just grown men, like yelling at children in these gaming forums. And, um, you know, one of the teenagers said to me, one of the high school students said, well, we know that it's not real. Like, you know, you just say it to get a rise out of people. And I was like, but you're spending time in this community where people say like racial slurs and homophobic things. Yeah. And he's like, well, it's not like we go out in the world and say it. We know that it's isolated to just, like, online gaming. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the same thing that the incels do. <laughs> They're like, we we enjoy that we like gaming. We like doing this. It's what we do to pass time. And some people say gross things, but that's just what we deal with. And that's exactly what incels are doing. I feel like there's going to be a, more hate from, like, gamers now <laughs> than there will be incels. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Oh my god, it's gonna be like Gamergate all over again. Oh god, no, <laughs> it's not. But <laughs> but I mean, I'd imagine that there's some overlap between like the the people who are involved in Gamergate and mm-hmm. Incels. Yeah, it's. I, I haven't gotten too much into that, but just in terms of why are you still part of a community where people do what? in normal society we would call like disgusting things or saying disgusting things. Yeah. Right. And, and align yourself with these people, but it's because you like this community for what it does. Yep. Um, and you know, it's like what you said about, about gangs or like terrorist groups, right? There's, there's a function that the, the community serves. And I think that's what we need to explore more. So how can we fill those gaps in out, outside of these individual communities, right? So if it's friendship, if it's, you know, uh, support, how can we do that outside of a group that is widely believed to be violent? Yeah, and it's it's really interesting, like, trying to place incels in a, in a broader context, mm-hmm. right? Um, thinking about ways that you know, obviously alienation and isolation and depression can affect everybody, but for a community of, I'm, I'm assuming mostly white guys who have had, who have had power (laughs) for so long and now have this, this sort of, to me, very bizarre sense that their power is being taken away. Mm -hmm. So kind of like this imposed alienation, I guess, Place uh, maybe real with like demographic shifts in some places. I don't know, but no. It's a, that's one of the like the myths about incels is that they're mostly white dudes, really. Right? Um, yeah, so they're it's about like so they do um, uh, every six months they do a survey, which is really interesting. They're doing their own census. They really are. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> that's. And 
they make it publicly available. Like, I can send it to you. It's super interesting. <laughs> why do they do this? Like, why? How? I I don't even know where to start. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because the guy who the um you know the moderator and the creator of their main site. Um, I, when I emailed him, I'm like, I, I appreciate that you're gathering data. Yeah. Uh, I said, methodologically, it's not great. <laughs> I said, like, I can help you improve it if you'd like. <laughs> it's your community <laughs> service for the year. I know. I'll put that in my dossier for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> data gathering for a hate group. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, you know, like best case scenario, they can do like chi square analyses with yeah. these, but it's all kind of like nominal level variable. <laughs> I'm like, we need to aim for like interphone ratio level variables. Well, what so are they? What, so my first question is, why did they start collecting data on themselves? Um, you know, I didn't ask that actually because I think because to me it makes so much sense. Like, of course you collect data about things. Um, <laughs> Their end for this the survey, their most recent survey was five hundred fifty, <laughs> which is better than any survey I've. Yeah, that's ever better than what I. Yeah, that's. Um, but so they they argue that um, I think in their last survey it was just over fifty some percent that were white, um, but it's an English speaking survey or it's an English speaking forum, um, and it's they have people from all different countries represented like. Um, including in like Europe and everything. So I think that's their argument why white people are overrepresented, but they have, uh, there's a lot of Asian incels, uh, which they call rice cells, um, Indian incels that they call curry cells. I know I'm really sorry to say this on your, <laughs> on your podcast. Um, it's all right. There are, there are black incels contrary to popular belief. Um, so yeah, they, they, uh, there is a lot of, ethnic and racial diversity in incels. Um, and actually there's a whole kind of culture in Japan that I'm not going to delve into in the book, but it's called Hikikomori. And it's basically like this whole almost generation of, uh, like socially awkward, uneducated, like untrained men who are basically like just living with their parents and can't get out. And they estimate that there's a million of them in Japan. (laughs) I, I I don't know how to respond to that. I, <laughs> if you'd like to Google it later. So I guess my so as you're talking about like I guess global diversity with this, I I, I would ass, well I don't want to assume anything, but I kind of wonder like is there any evidence that you've seen of this movement happening in China? Um, you know the the president of the college just asked me about that. Yeah, a few weeks ago, um, just because of the the disparities between like males and females that's what i was thinking because the sex ratio is so mm-hmm. skewed because of the policy yeah so um i haven't come across anything like that yet um i'm sure i i will but i'm trying to really kind of focus on the united states right yeah. and how social cultures here like diversity and feminism right are kind of leading to this that um that i think there's this belief that as some people get more rights and equality, others are having their rights taken away. Yeah. But what I've also found is that a lot of incels kind of feel like they never had power, right? The ones that I've spoken to feel like they weren't kind of given any of these privileges that standard white men have, have received because they've always been socially awkward. They've always been unattractive. Um, they've always been bullied. So it's kind of this cumulative strain of, 
uh, disadvantage or this cumulative disadvantage yep. over time. Um, and I don't want to say it's a victimization approach because I think that their their concerns are valid, right? Like I can't tell them that like, no, you haven't been bullied. Yeah. Right? There's one in particular who is a 29 year old man um, in Europe. And he says that he is like, he'll go out and people just come up to him on the street and they go, Oh fuck, you're ugly. My, and I, I'm like, that's, that's so awful. You, you know? And he's yeah. like, so I just try not to go out anymore. Cause I, I don't need that in my life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that as we're getting more concerned with looks and, um, just kind of like attractiveness that just some people are, left behind in this yeah that's yeah so i don't want to say like i doubt the authenticity of that but i Mm. i i kind of wonder about like encounters like that always like i don't know i don't know how to how to say what i'm thinking (laughs) you know like and and so like and i don't i don't doubt the authenticity of it or that he perceived it that way but i i wonder i wonder about that like mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know. And then the other, the other weird thing that I that I just jumped to was like, um, there's so many other questions. So I guess I will go back to the. the